you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ha! Got him! That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back at long last to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on all the cool and exciting new projects happening in the Star Wars universe, which of course there are a ton of to talk about right now. Um... It's great to be back finally talking with you guys. I know we've we sort of took a bit of a, an unintentionally long hiatus after Obi-Wan and then we actually got back together and recorded an, an episode that we didn't end up releasing and then tried to get together and record again and life's just been a little crazy the past couple months. But finally, we're here, Andor's here, and we're excited to get to talking about it with you guys. So as always, I'm your host Kyle and I've got my co-host Tim and Paul with me. How's it going guys? It's been a long time, but boy, does it feel great to be talking Star Wars <laughs> with you guys again and some great Star Wars stuff to talk about. So the wait may have been long, but I think it's going to be work- worth it for the discussions we're going to have on this episode. Yeah, and the wait might be long, but uh, as our old, uh, very old uh, intro that I love very much, where, where Kyle would say, and the future is bright indeed. I just want to say <laughs> that people, hopefully, you know, we may not be kind of, things might be coming out here and there with the saga continues, but hopefully in the future we will have some fun really some interesting thing developments so just going to tease it out there we're working on stuff so don't worry we're not going anywhere this is just, this this is only the beginning so <laughs> yeah no and uh, i mean honestly you know with with life being kind of busy and stuff it was kind of nice to just kind of step back a little bit after obi-wan and and you know just have a chill kind of couple of months um but yeah, you guys know anytime, at least anytime new Star Wars content comes out, we're going to be back talking about it. So, um, but uh, before we get into talking about Andor and giving our impressions and, you know, reviewing the first three episodes, um, I did want to just real quick do just kind of a, a rapid fire, like quick rundown of some of the other recent news that we've got. Um, because, of course, back uh, a couple weeks ago at the beginning of this month, we did have a uh, Disney Plus Day that was, you know, followed right up by D23, um, where we did get a lot of Star Wars announcements. Um, And, uh, you know, I think we had a there was a new Andor trailer um, that we were going to get on and talk about and and didn't get around to it. But um, there was a new Andor trailer that was released. There was a uh, I wouldn't say a new trailer, but they finally released the trailer from Celebration uh, for Tales of the Jedi. So we got to finally see that in official high quality looks fantastic we got a release date october 26th which is uh exactly a month from right now as we're as we're recording this 
Um, so that's going to be coming up real soon. And we'll be having two Star Wars series going at the same time because Andor will still be on uh, when that drops. So um, we'll have a lot of exciting stuff to talk about as we get closer to that show as well. Um, unfortunately, it did get confirmed that Bad Batch Season 2 has been pushed back to January of next year. Um, but the other exciting thing was that we finally got a uh, officially released teaser for The Mandalorian Season 3. Um, and it's interesting because it it does look more or less like the teaser that dropped uh, at Celebration that we've seen, you know, the leaked versions of. But I have seen some tweets from people who were at Celebration who said that, like, it's not the exact same teaser and it maybe had a couple of new shots, but maybe didn't have everything that was in some of the Celebration clips. And it's hard to tell because for whatever reason, that was the one trailer from Celebration that I never found, like, a full leaked version of. I just found a bunch of clips and bits and pieces, so I was kind of trying to piece it together. Um, but we uh, we did finally get our first official look at Mandalorian Season 3. That trailer looked fantastic. Um and hopefully that's still on track for February of next year. Um, the release or the the trailer didn't have a release date on it, which I know was kind of worrying for some people. Um, after I think it was yeah, back at Celebration, John Favreau had said that it was going to be coming in February next year. Um, but then I saw like on Twitter, I think it was uh, Carl Weathers said like, as far as I know, it's still coming in February. But I was a little bit worried, like when they pushed Bad Batch back to. January I was like well would they maybe push Mando back to like March or April to give that a little bit of time to breathe um but then as we've seen like Tales of the Jedi is going to be airing right in the middle of Andor so they clearly don't have a problem with Star Wars shows overlapping um so we don't know exactly when Mando season three is coming hopefully it's still in February of next year um but yeah the the footage and stuff from that and from Tales of the Jedi looks fantastic uh, like I said, we got an Andor trailer too, but you know now we've got the first three episodes that we're just going to talk about. Um, and then we did also get the announcement that there's going to be some new DLC coming for Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga as well. So um, for those of you that are fans of that game and, and you know maybe you're still playing it and haven't got to 100% completion yet, uh, I think they said maybe November or December is when that extra DLC is coming out. And it's just more character packs. Um as far as we know, no new like story content or new levels or anything like that, uh, which would have been nice to have. But at least we are getting I think they did confirm there's like Clone Wars and Rebels characters coming um, as well as characters from Andor. And uh, I think one of the Lego Star Wars like summer vacation specials, I forget what all of the DLC packs were, but there's like six new character packs coming. So lots of fun new characters to play with with that. Um, but yeah, that was, it was an exciting time. I mean, we figured D23, there would be some stuff. Um, but after the sort of disappointment of Disney plus day last year, um, it was nice to see that there was actually some, uh, some substantial stuff from those two events. And then of course we also got the Obi-Wan documentary release, the, um, I forget was it like the making of a Jedi or something like that. The, the behind the scenes special for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. It was and like that was Jedi really returns cool. or something like that. Yeah, it was, well, it was, it, because I'm thinking, like, was it that similar to Return of the Jedi? I don't remember, but it's, that's out there on Disney+. Plus. Definitely check it out if you haven't seen it yet. Um, and that was really cool yes, to it's see. It's a Jedi's Return. Yes, that is the name. Okay. Um, uh, so, yeah, you know, it was, it was just cool to see Hayden and Ewan and Deborah Chow and everybody talking about um, just returning to that story and those characters. So, um yeah, take a look at that if you haven't yet. And if you enjoy, you know, behind the scenes material. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was an eventful uh, 
weekend where we got some cool Star Wars news. They also, I don't know if it was that same weekend, but you know, they had like a, a movie showcase. And of course they didn't talk about anything Star Wars related for movies. And then um, Disney at some, you know, on like an investor call or something released like an updated schedule of their upcoming film releases that uh, for the first time did not have a Star Wars movie listed for December of 2023, which is a surprise to no one. Um, Shocking. You know, we, we kept, they, they kept maintaining that there was going to be a Star Wars movie coming out December of next year. And yet like we're halfway through the year and there was nothing in production, no cast announcements, no title announcements. I was like, we're not getting a Star Wars movie next year. You're not fooling anybody. So, um, so that's officially been removed from their schedule. So now, as far as we know, the next Star Wars movie in theaters will be in December 2025, um, which is supposed to be Taika Waititi's movie. If they still stick to that schedule, I don't know where he's at with that. I don't know if they're still going to try to make Patty Jenkins Rogue Squadron happen before that. Um I don't know. We'll see. Um, I mean, it's unfortunate that the movie schedule seems to be a bit of a mess. And, you know, of course, we've had a lot of things announced and canceled and shuffled around and people leaving projects and stuff. And it's like, at least we got the sequel trilogy done. We got a couple of great spinoff movies. And now the stuff on Disney Plus is is chugging ahead full steam. Wait, you said of a course, couple of great spinoff films? You are admitting Solo is great? I'm admitting that it's great that we got it. Like, <laughs> it's, I don't know. I'm, All right, I'm, I thought we had him. <laughs> I thought we had him. I thought he reviewed, oh, jeez. I'm, you know how I feel. Solo's not my favorite Star Wars movie, but yeah, I like it. I enjoy it. I think as, as far as, um, thought we had you know, him. It's, it's, it's good Star Wars content. I'm glad that that movie happened. So, um, I'm that's, just saying, you know, we, we got, uh, you know, to get the sequel trilogy and to get Rogue One and Solo, that's a good library of theatrical Star Wars content that we got over those Agreed. five years. Um, I would love to see more. I, you know, as much as I'm loving the the live action series and the animated series, you know, Star Wars will first and foremost always be a film franchise. Um, mm-hmm. But I do still think, like, I want those movies to be special. You know, I want them to be big events. Right. I don't necessarily want them to be churning out three Star Wars movies a year like Marvel does. And I kind of said that from the beginning. Um, and I think there's a good balance now because there's so much you can do in the Star Wars universe. Like, I'm fine with three or four Star Wars series a year on Disney+. And then you can take your time with the movies and make those really big landmark events and and tell really you know special big epic stories that can only that be sounds like a, a big segue. screen um well we're gonna talk about the series in a second but um yeah just i i can't wait till we see uh star wars back on the big screen i hope it's done right i hope they take their time with it but i also hope that you know something good eventually comes along and that we don't just keep having projects canceled and delayed till the end of time um same with you know the knights of the old republic remake that we it was one of the things we talked about on our our lost episode that i don't know maybe i'll edit some part of that into this um with some of the stuff that we talked about because some of it was just our our excitement for andor and talking about um one of the andor trailers that now is just you know we're going to kind of skip over that and just get right into the show but um yeah it is a shame that we keep having so many projects pushed back and delayed and stuff but like as long as some of the stuff is getting through and the stuff that does get through is high quality and we're enjoying it. It's like, you know, 
at least we got that and I'm just going to enjoy the stuff that we do have and be grateful for that. So, um, you know, when the movies come, they come. Uh, but in the meantime, we got plenty of series to talk about. So let's jump right into Andor, shall we? Let's do it. Um, so we, you know, we're, we're not going to do this quite like we've done with some of our other, uh, episode reviews, especially like with, with Mandalorian, we tend to record like every couple episodes and talk about each episode that's aired individually. Um, with Andor, I think, you know, it was, it was interesting when they announced that, um, you know, first when they pushed back the release date and because I think at first Andor was going to be like a one or two episode premiere and then they pushed it back, but announced it was going to be a three episode premiere. And I was like, that's kind of an odd number of episodes. Like, you know, you don't usually see shows um, do like the weekly episode model, but release three episodes all at once for the first one. Um, But it makes so much sense why they did after now seeing them, because these three episodes together really form kind of a, a complete story arc to, to kind of get things going and, um, you know, kind of set the series off in the direction it's headed. So we're going to kind of just talk about all the aspects of this together, just sort of as the beginning of Cassian's journey and the beginning of the series and not necessarily break it down episode by episode. Cause you know, the story keeps going and they all kind of flow one right into the other. So, mm-hmm. um, We'll just kind of do overall impressions and thoughts about, you know, specific things that stuck out to us. But um, I don't know. Let's just start with, you know, overall, what do you guys think? Well, if I may, I one of the things that I was really interesting about how they were, they rolled this out was that, you know, they talked about how each writer had a block. And I think it was a writer had a block of episodes and like a director had certain blocks of episodes so there weren't like so they could be at least consistent within chunks of, of time uh, or chunks of like periods of what they're doing and that way there's no inconsistency as far as like you know because there's 12 episodes so it's a decent amount of episodes so the fact they're have they're already doing this whole block idea i always thought was really i thought it was a really good idea in the first place but it's interesting in i think in the context of the show that we saw because it is one continuous story like you said and for me i think that the series and this is before we get into real deep in the heart of it. I want to curious what you guys think about this idea. Cause I think even like, you know, rings of power, AKA kiss the rings, as, as I like to call it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, sorry, it's a Chappelle reference. If you guys get it, I love you. Um, but like in all seriousness, I think it's funny. The three episodes of, of, the, of, of rings of power, kiss the rings and Andor, are kind of like similar in a way where I think that they could have edited the second episode of each one and put them both on opposite ends of like one, a little bit on the first episode, a little bit on the third episode and just eliminate that one completely. Mm-hmm. And that's what it, and that's what it feels like with this series. And that's not a detriment by any means. I'm just saying that I think that part of the problem is they're trying to keep a weekly content going. So now it's like, we all want it. Oh, we all want, we love TV series because this is one long movie. Well, the problem with doing that is that it's going to make it one long movie and it's going to get like these chunks of things where it's like, okay, that was just kind of treading, not treading water, but just, it's just not really doing a whole, not pushing things forward necessarily. It's building and you need that. But I also wonder if maybe people might enjoy or just kind of, what if you made it a little bit longer instead of shorter episodes? Um, just, just spitballing it because I, I do feel, especially with Andor, they could have easily 
edited that episode, and especially Calvin, your your thoughts on this? It feels to me they could have edited that episode into into one and three, and it would and then have it be a little bit longer, and it would have been a little, it would have flowed a little bit better, in my opinion. They had this, it's just not even a criticism, just a little bit better. I mean, I don't know. Like you could have even edited all three of them together into sort of a, a TV a movie. movie. Um, yeah, it's true. I, I mean, I wasn't judging it too much by like the pacing of each episode. I did find myself like at the end of the first episode and at the end of the second episode going like, okay, this is good, but like still kind of waiting for it to like get to the good part. Um, and it's kind of, I don't know, like, like I'm, I'm enjoying the show a whole lot so far. Um, you know, I, I love what they're doing with it, especially just the, the aesthetic and just sort of the different focus, you know, starting, starting out very small scale. And we know that Cass Cassian is eventually going to go off and join the rebellion and be fighting the empire. But I like that we start this journey, like on his home planet, um, or not his, his home planet where he's from, although we do see that in flashbacks as well, but, um, you know, he's, we're, we're starting just with his daily life, essentially. And the empire is just sort of this far off thing that he's not even really thinking about. Um, and yet you see, I mean, he is thinking about it because you see that the, the way that the empire is oppressing everybody and that it, you know, we're seeing what daily life for regular people under imperial oppression and occupation is like, but, you know, being a rebel hero and like fighting the empire is the farthest thing from his mind. He's just trying to do his own thing and get by and survive. Um, and so like, I, I like that, but at the same time, it was hard not to get excited about like, okay, when's Mon Mothma going to show up? When are we going to see stormtroopers? When are we, you know, just sort of knowing the big places that this story is going to go and like wanting it to get to that point. And so I, I kind of was struggling with like enjoying the moment versus like, you know, uh, not falling victim to like my own expectations and anticipations of like where I wanted the show to go. Um, but, you know, so I, I think, and again, that's why I think it was it was smart of them to release all three of these episodes at once, because episode, the first two episodes, you know, they're a bit slower paced, but again, like very well done, well written, well acted. Um, and it's one of those things where like, it's slower, there's not a ton of action, but it feels intentional. You know, you can tell when um, when something is kind of more like slow and methodical and like taking its time building up a story and when it feels intentional versus when it feels like it's poorly written or it's just bad pacing like when they it's like this is what they were trying to do and they succeeded versus like them trying to do something else and just not doing it very well and ending up with this um if that makes sense so um you know and and obviously everybody's got different tastes you know i'm sure it, it maybe didn't work well for everybody i like i've seen almost universal praise for this show it seems like a lot of people are really enjoying it but i can see how maybe it wouldn't be some people's cup of tea if you're more into just you know mandalorian clone wars like action story of the week type stuff um so yeah i mean however way you want to slice it whether you know you say like oh it could have been two longer episodes or it could have been all one long episode um i think is kind of neither here nor there because as i was watching it like I like I got to the end of the first episode and I wasn't like, oh, well, I'm disappointed that there wasn't much that happened in this episode because I was like, well, I can just start the next one and find out what happens next. Like, you know, it didn't really the the structure of it, whether it was three separate episodes or one long one didn't really matter to me because I was sitting there on my couch for the exact same amount of time watching Star Wars anyways, just waiting to see what happened next in the story. All right. That's, that's fair. 
uh, yeah. I, so yeah, I, I just was curious because I just the, the pacing and everything about the show. And I guess I'll kind of get to my general thoughts here, right, really, really quick before I throw it to Tim. Is I th- I, I loved Andor. Um, I've watched both all episodes twice, pretty much back to back to back. Um, different times, obviously, but you know, pretty much, pretty much, you know, one after another. And I, I'm I I love it because it is so different, and and it really shows you such a different arena of of Star Wars, right? It shows you so. It, it really is, is is giving us a different aspect of the universe that we haven't seen before, and I think this it's just going to be a lot. To, there's like almost a new foundation if you will it's like you have a you know you have star wars right it's it's a it's a big old mansion and andor feels like instead of adding on to the mansion you're adding an additional like layer of the foundation like extending it and you're now but it's but what's on top of the foundation is, is pretty skeletal right now because what they've established in this whole different sect of the universe and what they do and all like the occupations and like this is very much the real world of the star wars universe and we've gotten hints and things like that throughout you know different you know mediums and and what have you but this really goes in depth of what a mundane existence people can have in star wars and not it be like a jawa or something like that right like this is you know you have you have uncle owen sure but like this is more of an urban city kind of feel and I feel like this foundation that they're establishing is only the beginning and what is a great basis of what they can do going forward in other series. And I'm really excited about that. And that's kind of, I know that's a weird thing to kind of go out the gate, but that's, I think, because there's not a lot going on, I think, from the story-wise, and I'll get to that in a second, that's what I kind of take away the most from is how great and how much, you know, uh, TLC was given to all these different things of like, you know what do these people do for a living and what and what do they you know what does that mean and what for the people in the galaxy and things like that it's just it was really cool to get a different side of that in star wars and again and i think i said this in our in our text message group but i said it just shows you the versatility of the franchise i mean this just mm-hmm. shows you how like you can go from obi-wan which is straight up adventure like nights you know basically a night of the round table adventure into star wars now we're going to like freaking like super dark mundane blade runner ish you know ideas and i don't say that in a bad way either because there's a lot of blade runner influence in this but it's in a good it's a good way and you went from the heavy fantasy element to now the more science fiction element and that's the versatility of star wars no other franchise besides marvel and i say that very lightly too because i'm like eh, marvel's a whole different animal this is something that are, you're, you're showing you the versatility of the franchise. And I think it's awesome because I love Obi-Wan. I rewatched a bunch of it recently. And I freaking love it. I will always love it. It's not perfect. And just like how this isn't perfect, but they're better. They, they both have strengths that are the opposites of each other. And I love them for their strengths, even though they're the exact opposite. And I, I, I don't think one is, is more superior. They just have different strengths. And I really, truly mean that. Um, really quickly just kind of my general thoughts wrapping that up i think the series is phenomenal the acting's phenomenal the writing's phenomenal it is very much a dramatic story there's so much to get into i think from a from a character development part and as a, as a creative person myself and as an aspiring you know loser writer who wants to write comic books i can tell you from a just from a narrative standpoint of focusing on the, the themes and whatnot with what they're doing with the show 
is fantastic. It's fantastic. Now, you're sacrificing a lot, I think, action-wise at this point right now, but I think you're building attention, and I think they've done a such a good job with the aesthetics of the show that it's kept you in, in it, it's kept you in, intrigued with it. I say you as in the audience, I think, but mostly it keeps you intrigued to where you can get through those kind of slower moments and, and, and everything, and I came away extremely impressed. Um, like I said, it's not perfect. I think it definitely is a little too slow at times. Um, I definitely feel it's, it's the, I wish it was a little bit more aimed, like not kids, but a little bit like so six-year-olds wouldn't get bored of watching it necessarily. Uh, but at the same time, versatility of the, of the franchise. I think that's this could be, you know, kids' first uh, really serious drama, which I would I, I, I think that's great, but I don't know if kids will want to, you know, spend a bunch of money on Andor action figures necessarily either, right? But that's a, that's a whole different story. So yeah, I think for me, my my the kind of some of my thoughts is I think it's phenomenal so far. Lots of amazing things to talk about, and uh, yeah, I, I, you know, the one thing I'm going to end on is I think that this this series is going to just really sh- um, just again just to show us what it's like to, to be in the Star Wars universe and, and have it just set this world in a different uh, manner than we're used to. And I think it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's really impressive what they've, what they've, what they've accomplished. Yeah. For me going into it, I did see some, like, I didn't read any reviews or anything, but I did see some early re- like social media reactions for it saying how the first two episodes were kind of slower pace and things really pick up in the third one. So I kind of went into the first first three episodes watching for the first time expecting that and kind of preparing for that and they were exactly that and it's kind of funny though because when it because i described it as a slow burn up into the third episode and it's a slow burn but it's not like it dragged or anything because as you were alluding to you still feel invested in the story and the characters and what you're seeing but it's just you know it's a lot of just conversations between people and not a lot of action and it still had a nice pace to it though, because it is when the first episode ended, I was like, Oh man, it's over already. It wasn't like, man, this took forever. And <laughs> the first episode's finally done. Let's get to the next one. It was like, I was surprised that word when it ended, it, did, it didn't feel like it was what, 42 minutes or something like that with that slow pace that it had throughout those first two episodes. I felt the same way about the second, second episode. That one did have a shorter runtime, but I do agree. Cause once we got those first two after the first episode and the second episode, I just just saying to myself, I definitely see why they decided to release three because I can only re- imagine the reaction if they just released the first episode uh, for the premiere. I think you would have seen a lot of disappointed reactions going, this is it. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is how you kick off a new series. A 12 episode series was an episode with not a lot of action and it's kind of setting things up. So it was definitely the smart move. I think to release those three episodes um, because it really is one self-contained story and it's a really great self-contained story to kick off this series. And you were talking about how, cause I didn't know this until you mentioned it. I was kind of looking up on um, Wikipedia as well, as far as the block of the episodes that they have and how it does have um, like the first three were written by one writer, Toby Haynes. And then the next three are going to be uh, written by Susanna White and the, it kind of goes back and forth between those block of episodes with the same directors as you mentioned, or same writers and directors that you mentioned, Paul. And it just kind of reminds me of Clone Wars, the later, the last few seasons mm. where we did get those four episode arcs. Good point. And then it, I think this series will have a more connected uh, through line of its story over the course of the season than maybe Clone Wars had, but just breaking sure. up 
those episodes in like four or three part arcs is something that I could definitely see it going now because that's what I felt like for those first three episodes and didn't know if that would be the rest of the series but I think it's kind of all signs of pointing to that's how it's going to be the case where each few weeks it's going to be like their own self-contained episodes I think that's going to be pretty cool because um, when you watch all three of these first episodes it's it's really great I, I enjoyed it a lot um, especially more so on the second time when I watched rewatched all three I think you just I got a greater appreciation for how they were setting this story up and then knowing what's going to come. Cause I think it's a really great move as far as starting off on the slow pace now where the empire barely has a presence pretty much none. You just hear them mentioned mm-hmm. um, by a yeah. few people, but you know, that's coming and you know, Cassian is really going to get into the middle of that stuff and knowing where he ends up in rogue one and just seeing that progression of how he kind of grows in the ranks of the rebellion, I think is going to be uh, really cool to see, happen and just knowing that it's kind of almost like coming from humble beginnings in these first three episodes and knowing um it's going to get more i guess for lack of a better word more of that star wars stuff we're familiar with with the empire um being involved with it seeing stormtroopers seeing imperial officers and um even with the flashback too that's something where after i've seen the first few episodes and then re-watching the trailer again it looks like um each episode arc that we're, or these a few episodes arc that we're going to be getting it's going to be be like that with the flashbacks as well. I think we got in these first three episodes, the flashbacks of him as a kid, and then we're probably going to see him older um, because we do see those shots in the trailer where he does look younger. He doesn't have his beard. And we still got that moment too, where we're actually going to see clone troopers, which I was wondering if we we're going to get in those, in these first three episodes, um, knowing that that takes place earlier on, if that would be something they um, dive into in these first three, but it looks like that might be its own, a new self-contained story in in the past in Andor's past, which if we're gonna get clone troopers for like three more episodes, I'll, I'll no one be down for that. So um, yeah, so I think I didn't realize it at first as I was watching it for the first time, just kind of what they were going for in those first three episodes. But watching it again and then seeing that that is, looks like it's gonna be the trajectory of this series, I'm excited for a Star Wars series to be told in that way we're getting these little mini arcs over the course of this first season of andor i think it's going to be something different at least in live action from the shows that we've gotten before and they showed in these first three that i think they can it could work really really well for just a really great story um that yeah i'm just fully invested in already i just love what they well we'll get into it more but diving deeper and learning more about cassian's past and where he came from and um, where he's at now, and to, like I said before, knowing where he's going to be at Rogue One, I think it's just going to be a great character arc and journey to see him go through, not only for this first season, but knowing that there's a second one. Um, it's going to be great to see play out, and knowing some of the stuff and some of the moments we're going to be seeing just from the trailers has me excited. So, yeah, it was those first two episodes watching it for the first time was kind of going, okay, we'll see where it goes. I'll wait till it's... Uh, because I wasn't loving it when I was seeing those first two episodes. Like I said, I was invested. I was enjoying it, but I just didn't have that great feeling of loving what I was seeing just yet, just like I did with Obi-Wan, Book of Boba Fett, and Mandalorian on those first episode premieres. But um, I think once you really look at it as those three episodes being one complete story, which it is, um, it's 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 a really great, great way to do it. So yeah, I thought it's off to a great start, and it just made you, at the very end of it, just made me really excited for what's to come, which is what you want. Um, from a premiere of a new TV series. So that's what we got with these first three. 
Yeah, definitely. And I had forgotten that they said that that's sort of how they were going to structure the first season too. I know they're doing that with season two because they said like, so this first season all takes place five years before the Battle of Yavin, which by the way, we got BBY confirmed oh, you know, on screen so in canon for the first yes. time. That was a, a <laughs> Guys, cool little touch. Can I, can, um, I, can I really quickly, I, I almost forgot to bring that up in my intro. I just got to say this right now. That blew me away. That was... Yeah. That was a trip because as someone who, you know, I came in, I mean, I know you obviously did too, Kyle, but as an older, older fan of the three of us, like that was like always BBY was always like, oh, okay. At ABY, mm-hmm. BBY, it, it was so ingrained in me. And they, I know there was a time when they tried to get away from it. And I no, never understood. They tried to make it, mm-hmm. they tried to make the big event, the destruction of Starkiller base. I was like, mm, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know yeah. about that. Yeah. But you know what? See, didn't they at one time try to also make it like before and after the Phantom Menace? Yeah, there was, they, they tried, they tried a couple different that. things. <laughs> but you know what? But I also, I just want to say, this is, it, it's funny, Gilroy tried to be like, there's no Easter eggs in this, which I don't think he probably even realized that was an Easter egg. I probably was like <laughs> something they put in and he just didn't even care about. But I got to tell you, what I love, and it kind of it, it's something that we've stayed true to, like even solo and other things, is that something like that is blue. I love that it was blue. Mm. Like you know, I was like, oh, perfect. Like you know, a long time ago from a galaxy far, far away, and then solo instead of the crawl, it was you know, it was, it was blue like lettering, and then it was blue. That was blue. I'm like, oh, perfect. Okay, let's keep that up. So yeah, I just want to say that that was an amazing touch wasn't was not expecting that so i love it yeah and i mean there were a few other small little touches that you could consider easter eggs you know i know that was something that was getting a lot of you know causing a lot of discussion online was this whole comment about like they're not being easter eggs um but like i know cassian's pistol is like the uh it's like kyle katarn's briar pistol from the the dark forces and jedi knight games and people were freaking out about that um and there's some other little, you know, just like noticeable connective tissue sort of things that are just like, you know, it's Easter eggs, like things the fans would recognize, but it's like it works for in-universe. There's no Easter eggs that jump out at you that are kind of winking. Um, and obviously, there, you know, especially in these first three episodes, there aren't any like uh, cameos by, you know, big familiar characters. And I think that's kind of more what Tony Gilroy was getting at, that the story is just kind of getting by on its own merits and not by like. Yeah, agreed fan service or things that people are going to love just because you've seen them in other star Wars things that you love. So, um, yeah, but you know, so the, the BBY thing was cool to see, but so my, my point I was getting to though, is that they were saying that like the whole first season is going to take place in this year. And then the second season is going to close the gap between this and rogue one. And it's basically going to be broken into like four, three episode story arcs where each story arc covers a year of time. Um, you know, leading up to, uh, you know, obviously Rogue One and, and the Battle of Yavin and all that. But um, yeah, so it'll be like three episodes for three episodes in four BBY, three episodes in three BBY and so on. Um, but yeah, so that was just, you know, it was a, a cool touch to see that um, starting out. Um, and something else I wanted to touch on, sorry, you can tell I'm, I'm kind of congested too. And this was just like, all right, we've, we've rescheduled this one enough. We just got to power through tonight. But um Tim, you were talking too about the uh, the Empire and the way that it feels so sort of far off, um, which I love because, like I said, you you can tell, like you can the the effects of the Empire and their presence is still sort of very much felt just in like the day to day lives of people, 
Um, heck, you even see on the planet that they're on, I think it was Ferrix, um, was the name of the planet. Yeah. Where they've got the big, uh, the scrap hauler, like, you know, barges that are the same ones from, uh, Braca and Jedi Fallen Order, um, that are cutting apart old ships that are, you know, remnants of the old wars and stuff. But, um, I like, I love the fact that there were no, there's no stormtroopers, uh, no TIE fighters, no Star Destroyers, none of that stuff, at least, you know, not yet. We hear people mention the Empire. And then, of course, you know, the bad guys in these first couple episodes are, you know, just this security uh, security force, basically, from um, that one planet that Cassian started out on. Um, and these guys are obviously loyal to the Empire and see themselves as like the first line of defense. Um and so it would almost be akin to, I don't even know what sort of the, the real world equivalent would be. Maybe like a private security force for a company that's like contracted by the government. And so you're not like police or army and you're not like directly working for the government, but you're still, you know, sort of loyal to them and see yourself as like involved in like, hey, we're protecting what these guys are doing. You know, they kind of want to be part of it. Um so I thought that was interesting to see. And again, just sort of a new perspective on like, we've never really seen stuff like that before. I mean, we, you know, in, in Clone Wars and some of these other things, we've seen maybe different security forces or militias or whatever that are not strictly like rebel or empire or uh, republic or separatist, but um, we haven't really delved a lot into sort of like where they stand and what their morality and psychology and stuff is like. Um, so that was cool to explore, but I, I love that, like, really all we saw of the Empire in this episode was the Imperial insignia on that box that Cassian had stolen. Um, and again, I think it's just a cool way to build it up, because yeah. for us, like, Stormtroopers are cannon fodder, right? Like, we've seen Han and Luke and Leia, you know, blast dozens of Stormtroopers like like it's nothing. Um, but for an average, like boots on the ground, just regular dude, like Cassian, who's not part of the rebellion, who's not a hero, you know, none of this stuff. Like the, I'm sure the first time that we see stormtroopers in this show, it's probably going to be a big deal Yeah. because mm -hmm. for regular people, that would be a big deal. You'd be like, Oh shoot, the Imperial army's here. Like these guys that rule the entire galaxy. And I'm sure they've got, you know, tons of other stuff to do and tons of other stuff to worry about. Like they came here, like something big must be going on. Um, yeah, all that stuff. I totally agree. I love that aspect of it. Just seeing something different in in this part of the galaxy where, yeah, the ep empire is recognized, but it must this could either be like a small corner or a small system where the empire doesn't feel the need to have a presence there. They'll leave it to that um, corporation and the local security to take care of any threats that might be. And to come to find out how this local security group um, they felt that this is our chance to like to really prove themselves, kind of maybe get more in the empire's favor, grab some uh, power amongst this, uh, amongst the empire or the, this part of the galaxy anyway, to show um, their worth, so to speak. And to find out in that third episode that they weren't up to the task, they couldn't really bring in just two people. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of them, that Sergeant, um, he was kind of made a comment for like the destruction that Cassian and Luthien were causing during that battle. It was like, he kind of thought there was more than just two where there's, they were like almost felt like they were surrounded, so to speak. It just made me reminded that line that Cassian says in Rogue One: "Make ten men feel like a hundred. <laughs> in this case, mm -hmm. just two feel like twenty or something like that." Um, but just seeing how this local security force thought they can handle this, and knowing that they can't, and knowing that the Empire is going to get involved, um, it just—I think that's what makes these—it makes it such a smart decision. These three episodes to not 
have the Empire be involved too much and not see them at all. So you're really going to feel their presence when they do show up. And to your point, Kyle, how I think you really are going to see it affect the people on Ferex and just how what how big of a deal it is to see stormtroopers, star destroyers, TIE fighters in their system. Um, so yeah, I just loved all that stuff. Seeing the small port corner of the galaxy, their local security system, how they try to deal with it. But when they can't, you know, the empire is going to have to get involved and it's going to be something that as we're going to see over the course of the series, obviously more different aspects of the empire with the Senate. But in this case, um, when it comes to trying to, find these two uh, fugitives out and possibly being part of a rebel cell. Maybe that's what's really going to get the Empire involved with this. But like you said, I think it's going to be a big deal and you're really going to see the effect of that. And I'm hoping where it is going to be, where, as you said, we know stormtroopers aren't really great soldiers at all. But when they're in this part of the galaxy and people who aren't used to seeing them um, in action and get shot down all the time, they'll really have a presence and kind of have that fear that, people do have of the empire and kind of why they rallied to kind of overthrow it. And maybe we'll see more of that here where we're not just seeing incompetent soldiers or admirals or Imperial officers or whatnot. We'll kind of see maybe the side of the empire of why they're kind of feared in different corners of the galaxy. So yeah, having to start off the small way and not really have the empire be involved is just going to make it that much more impactful. Once we do see them get more involved in the story moving forward. And I think that's purposeful, right? I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. They, they, they want to really show you. And I think it's smart. Again, this is where I think. This yeah, no, I, I think it's not just intentional. I think it's really effective, too, that they do that. No, but no exactly. I think and what's really, really showing, I think, um, what what kind of storytelling you can do in Star Wars. And I think showing you, you know, kind of, again, everyone loves the Empress Rick's back because it's dark, right? Or it has a really serious tone to it. And even though it has humor and things like that, it has a very serious tone. And, and they're not saying Andor and this are like lock and lock, but the one thing that you can say is that it kind of shows you kind of with the seriousness and what kind of storytelling you can do, just how much it informs what other writers can now do and build. Again, I, got, I talk about that foundation. Andor is setting a whole different foundation in so many different levels. I said that, you know, the aesthetic of Star Wars is in that whole idea. But I think the, the type of writing that you're doing in Star Wars, I think the type of music, the type of, um, you know, the type of cinematography, this show is setting the floor for or <clears throat> the ground level of what to build off of, I think, now for what people can expect from Star Wars. And I've talked about, again, before, what... You know, I almost feel like what this does as a as a whole as a for the franchise going forward, it might be even more impactful than the actual story itself, the actual like story. You know, um, but the Andor, which I think is still fascinating and interesting, but I think there's so much they do in the show that I'm like, man, the music. I, I talked about the music earlier or on Twitter the other day. The, the the score is done by a guy who's won a bunch of awards and he's a legit composer. But the type of stuff he's using is so it, it's so minimal. And it's so effective. And it's even using like, there's like, you know, at the end of episode two, there's like amazing, like sounding drums. Yeah. Like, I was going to say that. <laughs> it's just, you know, and I'm going to get to the weeds here, but for people who know music, you know, and help me out here, Tim. But the cool thing about that is that it sounds like they, it's that, that, uh, that drum set is not might. And I, I know very little about recording, but I know a little bit. I can tell you right mm. now that, 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 those drums they recorded were not like up. They, that was all room mics. It's all very much compressed 
and just getting the air, the whole, instead of getting up close on the drum set itself, it's just letting the drum set just be like loud and compressed and just getting the, that room feel and just having that as he's walking, I'm like, this sounds incredible. It just sounds so good. And, you know, I just want to say that like, these are things that I, you know, we talk about where do you go from, you know, John Williams and things like that. This is where I think, you know, after the sequel trilogy, I don't want to get too far. I'm not going to get involved in that. But the one thing you could say that George is always trying to do with the Clone Wars was always trying to push Star Wars forward. Everything, whether it be animation, stories, the music, everything. He was always pushing it forward. And I feel that now, like the sequel trilogy is just kind of, you know, again, that whole thing aside, it feels like now the, the all these different creators, like John Favreau, you know, Deborah Chow, uh, Dave Filoni, now Tony Gilroy, these people are now building off and pushing stars in different directions and and musically and everything, Ludwig, you know, all that stuff is pushing stars in a different direction, but not so much where it's like it's not recognizable, but you're pushing it forward without being, I think, abrasive. And I think that's the one thing that's been super impressive about Andor. It's pushing the I think the, this whole franchise so much forward that it's just like, man, like, again, this is a slow burn. And I, I couldn't help but think as I'm watching the show, like, imagine like a Knights of the Old Republic, right? That's basically like in the serious tone, but with lightsabers. Like, I mean, where do I sign? Like, I, I mean, I need that, like right now. Like, I mean, I'm being serious. Cause I, cause that's the one thing I think we're missing right now is lightsabers, not in Andor, but in Star Wars in general, just lightsabers. I want some more freaking lightsabers, man. Like that's, to me, it's like, it goes, uh, what the Millennium Falcon? It goes lightsabers and the Millennium Falcon, and then like Darth Vader's helmet or Darth Vader's helmet, the Millennium Falcon. Like the lightsabers are they go? It's, we need to have it more. Um, so I, it just it's amazing to me what the show is doing. Um, you know, but I, I really want to just really kind of throw it to you guys as well about cinematography. I, I was really impressed at how they shot this show, and there's so much focus on angles. You know, whereas I think, like, if you look at Obi-Wan, which, again, I don't want to say it's, it's trying to throw anyone under the bus here. There's so much shaky cam, and there's so much just basic kind of ways of doing things. And there's some cool things to do here or there that I like about it. But it's just the way that's directed and, and shown. There's no, like, there's no real, like, um, the camera angles don't really give you a feeling necessarily. They let the actors do that. Whereas it feels like the camera angles in this show are informing us what to think and how to feel more so than any other Star Wars movie or show that I can remember off the top of my head. It feels like a lot of these movies are very straight ahead on purpose because they're made for mainstream audiences. But with this, because there's so much drama, the angles and, 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 and how people are placed in the screen, that's so important to inform you of what's going on in, in the story specifically. I know it's the same thing with all, all TV medium and movie medium, but you get what I'm saying. It feels like this is even more important to really establish what you're doing. Like the fact that you have, you know, Skarsgård and what's his name, um, uh, Andor talking, you know, they're, they're far apart and they get closer and closer and closer. I, I love that. That's an artistic, you know, that's an artistic uh, thing, but like, they, you know, you naturally just get closer and closer and closer and closer and to the point where they're teaming up. I like that. That that's a, that is a thoughtfully played way to kind of symbolize that these people are going to be connected. And then you have at the very end of the episode when you have the whole thing about you know this whole episode of three was about becoming you know the next phase of your life. 
you have the phase where he's trapped on his planet, not, you know, being, you know, not doesn't have any adults, but all of a sudden getting, a, you know, parents. And then that is the beginning of his new life. And then it has, you know, parallel with how, with, um, I keep forgetting what Ellen, uh, Stellan Skarsgård's character's name is. Um, but, uh, yeah, Luthan, yeah, excuse me. With, you put, you, you know, juxtapose, uh, juxtapose that with uh, Luthan and him, it's now his whole new era of his life is now starting with a new mentor figure, a new a new parental figure. I love that crap, man. It's amazing, yeah, and, and it's super, but it's super impactful. And it's and all those things. If you rewatching it, all the scenes you have with them all informs how you, you know you're subconsciously taking that in. There's more care, I think, on those aspects of this show than I've had seen in a Star Wars film or TV series, maybe ever. And it really, I think rewatching again like you said tim it really helped make me accept and go huh like this is really fascinating and interesting i i don't know and this is it is a hot take i don't know how much of a rewatch how rewatchable these episodes are to be quite honest you know what that's a great point because i kind of felt that way after seeing it the first time where it's like it's a great story being told here but you know at some point you just feel like i want to watch a certain episode of mandalorian or Mm -hmm. book of boba I don't think you're going to get that with the first two episodes unless like you don't not going to just watch the first or second episode when you're going to watch them. You're going to watch all three to get that complete Mm -hmm. story. Yeah. 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 I feel the same way. Like, and it'll be interesting to see what happens the rest of the season, because there might be certain episodes where, Oh, something really cool happens. And I want to rewatch that specific episode. And I haven't gotten around to watching to rewatching these first three yet. Um, but I definitely want to rewatch them. But like, again, you're right. Like even with the third episode, which is the most sort of like exciting and action packed out of the three. Um, it's like, once I rewatch these three, like I don't have a particular desire to go back and rewatch any one of them in particular. Um, but I'm just excited to see what goes next. Like I'm fully invested in the story. Um, but I think, see, the thing is with certain episodes of like Mandalorian or Clone Wars, it's like though they're a lot of times they're self-contained stories in their own respects. Um, and so you can almost have the experience of like watching a star Wars movie, but like, a you know, you can knock it out in half an hour, um, and get that kind of feel from it. Whereas, yeah, with this, it's like, if I'm, if I'm looking for a star Wars fix, I'm not going to just put on one episode of Andor. I'm going to wait till the whole season is done and take in the, you know, the story as a whole. And then once it's done, you know, if I want to revisit the story, I'm probably going to set aside a weekend or something and, you know, rewatch the entire series start to finish. Um, Later down the line where some really cool stuff happens and maybe some more sort of self-contained story in that episode. And you maybe just want to rewatch that particular one. But um, yeah, I think this is going to be more, uh, you know, more the, the type of story that people revisit as one long story over the whole season. And uh, kind of judging that as the sum of all of its parts, as opposed to geeking out over, you know, one particular episode or another. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes week to week, because also, um, you know, we got these first three episodes all together, but then, you know, what's going to happen next week and the week after, like, I hope that each one of these episodes has enough kind of going for it to, you know, to keep people invested and keep propelling the story forward. But I think it will now that we've kind of got the wheels spinning, um, and even if and it we know there's though, we know there's still we know there's still a lot more to come with like Mon Mothma and Saw Gerrera and stuff like that. And so once we start seeing those guys and get more into the Empire and the Rebels and, and the stuff that we know is coming, I think it's just going to keep building and building. 
even if it doesn't though where like some of these next few episodes are similar to the first and second one at least you're gonna know that it's gonna build into something where it is gonna feel like a more complete story once you get to the final part of like the arc of these group of episodes sort of thing so i wouldn't feel too concerned if maybe if episode four um was more like episode one and two where not much happens but yet it's setting up for more stuff down the line um in these next group of episodes so at least this gives us some some to go back on to know that it is going to be leading up and feel like a more complete story once this like a particular episode block or arc ends so at least if we have that going in so it's have to be a massive concern or like uh oh is the show <laughs> kind of losing steam here at, at this point or being disappointed with a certain episode where for whatever reason but you kind of have in the back of your mind now that um, pretty much these episodes are going to serve a purpose into the greater bigger story and that they're trying to tell in these group of episodes moving forward I well think. you know and, and that's a good point i didn't think about too because i you know because it, it's funny looking back and trying to dissect all these episodes there's not a lot to really dissect you know and, and that and again i'm not saying it's a bad thing it's because it is it's very it's building tension and that's yeah. the one thing this show has done such an amazing job job of it's building tension and it's not done it's just beginning and that's the cool thing about it. I think that's where if if that is, but here's a, here's what I'm wondering. I'm just curious. And we'll find out what happens. But if this is a 12 episode series of or season, it does make me go. I wonder how long they can keep doing this and build tension until they have to really have a good resolution. And again, we'll see. I I, I trust them because what they've given us has been a 100 fantastic quality. But it does make you think: How much can you build tension until that? you've kind of gone to that well too many times and they've had, and that's been three episodes now of building tension. You're building this, you know, building the characters up around them. And they've been all really, here's the thing. The characters around them are not super interesting necessarily besides Luthen, I think Endor and Merva, but, um, but the other characters are interesting because they're relatable and they're good and they're good acting. And, and they've they're and that's the performances. This is probably maybe the best performance performances overall that i've seen in any star wars show or movie in a long i don't know it might be up there because the the acting everyone has a presence like this is a great example too i think um very opening of the episode for episode one when it goes to the brothel right um that whole scene is just, it's shot brilliantly it but it's the tone that it sets but even the the the, the, the hostess she comes out and and and, and not because she's beautiful because she is beautiful obviously but she's She's a good actress. Like you can just tell, she just knows she's a, she has a presence to her. Everyone, the, the guys he ends up killing, they all have, a, so, they have such a presence with every one of them. And it, it's, just, it's the entire show. And I just, it's really impressive. The performances they're getting from people out of this that are just, you know, I feel like many other actors or maybe scripts would get like this mundane, whatever. And, and trust me, I've seen plenty of Marvel and, and Star Wars Disney plus shows. And even though I love most of them, they all don't have great acting, you know. They have some pretty subpar stuff in it sometimes, and that's not on the franchise. That's just on, I think, just the fact that you're you're trying to schedule so many new shows, and you can't really. Sometimes you're just going to be grabbing people just left and right, and you don't really, you know, see what you're doing. Maybe I don't know, but I digress. But my point is, this show particularly is very. It, it, everything is so well placed and so well scripted and so well directed and performed. It just it just makes me think like man like they, this is this is interesting and so I, I think you know you you're relying on 
the actors and other aspects of the show to carry it, even though it's not doing a whole lot. And that is asking a lot of your team. I'm curious if it'll, if it'll continue, but I will say, I think one of the reasons why it has, it, we, I think it has been, you know, so well done so well is because the tension it's building and all the actors and, and all the writing that's done, but how well will it do if it keeps relying on that and it doesn't really resolve to really anything other than just establishing like this tension of we're building the rebellion, we're building the rebellion, there's an empire behind us. Like how much is that? Because that point, in my opinion, I'm, I am curious if it'll be almost too dramatic because I do think one of my main little criticisms of this whole show right now, and again, this is I love the show. I think it's phenomenal. I do say it does tread a little on the over the top like dramatic side where I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, let's, you know, it's almost too serious for me. Like, it's like, I like, I like my baby bear. I like to be just right in the middle. I love, I love a little cheese. I mean, I'm being serious. I love me some cheese. I love me some seriousness. Let's do a little bit of both. And I think that's where Star Wars has always been its best when it does a little bit, it kind of intertwines between the two. Cause I go back to Empress Rick's back. It's a, that's a dark themed movie, but it treads, you know, that humor lightness enough to where when it gets dark it really hits home and it i will say it, it almost treaded on like this is so like downtrodden i was just like it did it did kind of creep up on over the top a little bit it's a little it's a little bit not a lot but i'm again that could get into more territory later on but right now i'm loving it it's absolutely brilliant but i do think there could be a danger of that going forward yeah and they do have a little bit of you know humor and lightheartedness in there especially like with his droid um but see to to counterpoint to what you were saying though like in in you know storytelling and when you study like script writing and story structures and stuff they talk about tension and release and you're like the first the first two episodes definitely do a great job of building tension but like i was talking about like at the end it kind of leaves you feeling like okay we know this is building towards something but like where's this going like what's the payoff gonna be and then in episode three i think you have that payoff you have a release of tension when the security guys show up and they have the shootout and, and Cassian and Luthen meet up and it, you know, they're like, okay, we, you know, come with me. And he's trying to recruit him to join the rebellion. And it's like, there's, there's a purpose to all of this. There's a, um, you know, sort of a, a release of tension or a conflict resolution, if you will. And then something that sort of propels the story to where it's going next. And I think they'll keep that up and who knows, maybe it'll keep following this formula of like every, you know, you'll have a couple episodes where it's just sort of building and building and then a payoff in the third episode, if they really are sort of breaking it into chunks like that. Um, but yeah, I think they'll, I think they'll probably strike a good balance of that. Um, you know, the, the rest of the season, especially with Tony Gilroy having a background in doing like thrillers and stuff. Cause he, he, I think he worked on the whole like Jason Bourne series, right? He created it. Um, Did he create it? I don't know if he created it. Um, or he co-wrote most of the films. I know that. Yeah. He was, he was involved with a lot of them and he might've written all of them. I don't remember, but well, they did. They mentioned um, it in the trailers when they show from the creators of rogue one and the Bourne legacy or one of them. Well, the, Bourne yeah, but the, the, the Bourne legacy was only the, the last movie. Um, and I don't well, know if he, maybe he directed that one or something, but um, right, I'm looking up right now. I'm looking. Up, I, I'm almost positive he wrote majority of those films. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I know he was. I know he was involved in. At least I thought he was involved in more of them than just the Bourne Legacy, which is why I thought it was interesting that that trailer only mentioned that one. Um, but yeah, By so the way, it's, Tony Tony Gilroy looks so smug. Like even in his interviews, he's always been like he always came off so smug. 
And I was like, man, he's such a cocky jerk. And then you look at him, I'm like, yeah, he looks like a cocky jerk. He's a good cocky jerk, but he <laughs> looks like a cocky jerk. <laughs> well, he's a if he is a cocky jerk, then he's a cocky jerk who's good at telling Star Wars stories because we got Rogue One and now this. And oh, um, yeah, it, it keeps saying too how in interviews how he's not a Star Wars fan at all, and that's kind of maybe what's giving the series the feel that it has to it too. Which I'm not saying that's a bad thing either. Like when you're telling this type of Star Wars story, um, I think that totally works. But you're when you're doing like big mythological stories and stuff to the lore that's where i think you need to have that be a star wars fan to create those type of stories but for yeah. something like this where you're going into the kind of the grounded more gritty war type of espionage stories like for someone who's not a hardcore star wars fan or as he said not a star wars fan at all um that still works in telling a great story in the star wars universe despite not having a love for the franchise like others would yeah which yeah, is why he- i was surprised in the first place that he um you know, I because he had said that when he worked on Rogue One, and I was surprised that he signed on to come back and do a series <clears throat> and that he would want to continue working in Star Wars, you know, with it being such a huge one property word, and him having money. You know, no emotional <laughs> attachment to it. That's true. I'm sure they're paying him very <laughs> well for his services he, and, and well deserved. Well, but put, put him put in perspective like, so after, around the Bourne movies he was doing, he wrote the, the Great Wall, that movie with the monsters and with. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, you know, and, it, you know, that movie probably didn't do so well. And he, you know, he, he wrote some critically acclaimed movies, but they weren't exactly making him buco bucks. I mean, I'm sure Rogue One, he came in, did some stuff in Rogue One, made some money, and then finally they probably offered him enough money where he was like, yeah, this makes sense. And probably also, he's probably helping people he, he works with, like his brother, I think, is working on this. And so, I mean, he's probably using this as an avenue to like push himself also. To get some power and write stories he wants to write. I mean, it's, it's again, I'm not begrudging by any means, but it's definitely money. They threw him a lot of money, probably. And also, too, didn't it just get announced? I'm not sure if it was like officially announced at StarWars.com, but one of the trades where he signed a first look deal with Lucasfilm now. I did not see that. Oh, I didn't see that. I remember seeing that a few days ago. Well, you know, so if that's the, if, the case, I mean, they're obviously really happy <laughs> with his work that he did with Rogue One. Well, and they it, have a good it, it, and, and yeah. Andor. Well, it well, and also it just it can it reminds you know it, it, this has been said by everywhere, and it just bums me out that like Gareth Edwards is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, this, you know, and and maybe maybe he'll be I'd be so stoked to see him show up maybe on season two. Maybe he does like you know the K two so uh, yeah, just like direct an episode or two. Yeah, yeah, it'd be I, I don't think that's gonna happen. I'm sure he because he just fell off the face of the earth. I mean, he hasn't done anything since Rogue One. Like he did Godzilla Rogue One, and then he's done. Like he has, not, I mean, and maybe he just is burned out, and maybe that was such a bad experience because, you know, they had to, they had to get Tony Gilroy come in and like basically like you know he had to bow to his wishes, and maybe that, that wasn't a good relationship. He he kept his mouth shut. Was a good company man, maybe I don't know, but it, it, I I have a hard time believing that like all of it's all Tony Gilroy. I think from a story structure point, maybe it was all Gilroy, but from the aesthetic standpoint, I think that I think Gareth Edwards did a lot more for Rogue One than people probably give him credit for. Um, at least from that side of the, that side of it, and I maybe one day we'll get the Rogue One, the Gareth Edwards cut. Which, oh my god, I can you imagine that? Oof. Um, but um, all the stuff from the first trailer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, but so I yeah, so I guess for me, I just think that you know Gil, Gilroy and, and I want to bring up you know what they did with Episode Three because I do think there was a little bit of a release, but it wasn't that much of a release. It was very much a a very, in fact. 
I would agree with the release to an extent, Kyle, but it still felt like, felt like they, they were building this tension because they didn't get there. Like there was like, he got away, but like, there's like, what are they going to do? What does this mean? Cause at the very end you have, I forgot his name, the, the head guy of the, of the account of the security thing. He's looking at all the carnage around him. Like what has happened? And it's like, again, it doesn't feel resolved. And that's where I, I think, I think. Well, yeah, time. but that's because we're only three episodes into the series. I mean, don't you but, want but, that? But, no, no. But the thing is, you're. But the thing is, there's no resolve with anything, with nothing. It's it's just, it's still building attention, and it wasn't like a big release, like a big moment. It's just a little bit of a moment, and that's the thing. And again, it's not a bad thing. I'm just saying that how often can you do that throughout these X episodes? You've already done it for three. I'm curious what the fourth does. And you brought up a good. I'm not sure which one of you guys did. I'm sure you guys probably both would say agree with the same thing, but. What does it mean? What will happen if they release this every week and will it have the same um, impact being released once a week because it is a slow burn? I'm curious how that works too. Because I got to admit, if I saw, I think it was brilliant with the, the idea of releasing three episodes at once. But if I only got one episode for episode one, I'd be like, okay, that was cool, I guess. And then, you know, like, all right, let's go to the next one. I mean, I'd be excited for it, but I wouldn't be like amping for it like Obi-Wan, you know, where I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. God, we're going Oh my god! It's like okay, cool. I'm gonna get Andor. It's like again, not a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, I'm curious how they're gonna build. Because if you're building tension and you have a little bit of release, then then the week to week aspect, you're gonna lose that. It's different with a film because you're watching, you're you're going the ebbs and flows at the same time, so you can kind of you're kind of taking the, the viewer on a on a ride. Whereas on a TV series, you're making them sit and be like, okay, you can't wait for the next piece. And you're also hoping that person will keep that service, the mainstream audience, for Disney Plus to keep going back to that well of Andor. And is it, if you're going to build that tension, you just bear, I just hope it's interesting enough for a mainstream audience. I mean, so far it's been so so good, but I will say, I do think they're, let's just wait and see. I, I'm not saying it's going to be bad or it's going to be faltered, but I'm curious of how it's going to work from a week to week aspect, because it could work better as maybe a chunk show where you throw two, three episodes at once. It could like if it, if they did, you know, just four weeks of like three episodes a week. Um, we'll see. Cause it, it depends on, you know, how long the, the coming episodes are and then just what the story content is. But I also think, I think it'll be, I think it'll be better week to week once we're sort of off the starting block. Um, and it's funny because yeah. Paul, you know, a lot of times when we talk about these, you know, story structures and stuff, you compare it to storytelling in comic books. Well, I'm going to do that, but with gaming, because <laughs> I don't know if you guys sort of made this connection or if this crossed your mind at all, but just the setup of this, the fact that we're in an established universe, we already know who the big players are. We know that we're going to be dealing with the empire and the rebellion and stuff, but we're starting off on this backwater planet with just a regular guy dealing with you know, his job and his friends, and then he gets in trouble with these security forces. And it all feels very small scale compared to how big the universe is. But we know that it's eventually going to get there and that this story is going to go bigger and go to more places and get more characters introduced. To me, it felt very much... uh, The first thing I thought of is that it feels like doing like Dungeons and Dragons or like a tabletop RPG or something, which typically I'm not very... Like those games usually aren't my speed. But I've actually been doing a, a Star Wars tabletop RPG recently with some friends. Um, and I say tabletop, we've been doing it virtually because um, we're all in, in different parts of the country. Um, 
but it sort of had that sort of feel because, you know, with those types of, of games and campaigns, because they're so long and drawn out, um, you know, and, and like the, for example, the game we're playing is like set in the Clone Wars and I'm playing as a Jedi and like we're trying to take back this planet from the Separatists and like we got in our in our group, we've got, you know, one guy's a clone trooper and one guy's like a, a criminal like slicer who, you know, was a Republic prisoner and now we've recruited him, you know, because we need his skills and stuff. And like we're going around like taking separatist bases and like doing some big stuff, but we also have times when like we have to lay low or we have to like gather information or or you know meet contacts or make allies and just do all this very like low level kind of stuff. And so you'll have like a three or four hour game session where you're just in a cantina talking to people the whole time. And it had kind of this sort of feel of like you know very small scale nitty gritty like regular lives of regular people in this huge universe and like you're just not dealing with all the big stuff yet um but also it's you know even if you think of like video games and let's use like knights of the old republic for an example um but also you know with a lot of rpgs like this there's usually like a starter area or a starter planet um that you know and it's usually the one that if you talk to people that are big fans of the game they're always like oh that's the worst part about starting over is i gotta spend seven hours on terrace again or on eden prime and mass effect or whatever said planet might be because you're going back to this beginning where you're starting your character from level one and you're dealing with like thugs and you know what like just whatever the regular like you know low yeah. level you know bad guys or security forces or whatever and it's like you know you're eventually going to get to play as a jedi and fight sith lords and fight sith troopers and stuff like that but at the beginning you're starting out very small but then once you get off that planet and once you kind of get off on your adventure you may still have areas of the game where it's more low-key um but uh you know, it's kind of like once you're off, you're off mainly, you know, and like you keep leveling up, you keep getting better gear and weapons and stuff. And so you net like even in some of the slower parts of the game, you're never going back to that feeling of like being on that starter planet until you start a new game again. Um, so that said, you know, with to compare that to Andor. Now that he's met Luthen, Luthen is trying to recruit him for the rebellion. They're sort of on the run. They're on the bad side of the empire. We know that, um, you know, you kind of get the sense that like these events are just going to keep escalating and leading from one thing to another and leading them to more places and meeting other people and stuff like that. Um, so even if you have some slower episodes, I don't think you're going to get anything on the level of episodes one and two. And not that episodes one and two were bad. I think... You know, like I said, the, these three episodes overall, I really enjoyed the story. I thought it was a great, um, great way to start things off and and kind of kick off this whole adventure. Um, but it's like now that we've got the ball rolling, I think it's just going to keep building, um, keep, you know, sort of keep growing, keep building the tension, keep introducing new things. Um, but even if it's even if you get an episode that's a little bit slower or something, I think you're going to have enough of a foundation and enough that we are sort of already hooked in and invested in that it's just going to keep building on that and and sort of keep the the tension and the pacing like moving in the right direction. Yeah, that's a great comparison. I didn't think about it as watching it, but as you're talking about those moments where you kick off your journey in a video game, it does have that feel to where it starts off slow, but then you know the big stuff's going to happen. You just have to to get there and 
the story wouldn't be the same without it. And I think that's going to be the same with Andor too. We are going to appreciate these first few episodes, I think, more and more as we dive deeper into the season and see Andor's story continue uh, to progress and th- with the different characters you meet in, in the course of the present time period in 5 BBY. And then also the flashbacks we're going to get and just seeing him um, develop as that character who's always fighting against the Empire. So, yeah, I agree with that 100%. Yeah, yeah, I I love I love that because it just kind of shows you like with, with whether it be with comic books or video games or books or or whatever, and 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 TV and and, and with movies is that the media the storytelling it, it can it can fit certain ideas and certain models and I like that idea of what you're saying about how you kind of have to like dig a little bit deeper in this to kind of get to that and. I do think Andor has a little bit of that that we have to kind of go through. We have to kind of see this to set set this up. And I think again, and on the, if, if if it seems like I'm just backhanding the show a little bit, I'm really not. I just I'm just being as real as I can about it because there are things about it. I'm like I'm just a little bit worried about what this could be turned into because how far can it be over dramatic at that point? I mean I don't know. I mean. At the same time, Game of Thrones could be overdramatic, and you would think that you know how often can you build off drama for this, and it happened for how many seasons? I mean, and and now the option, the uh, the new, uh, the new show is just, you know is killing it. So I hear I didn't even watch it still, but my point remains that what you know, what can they do? I'm just curious how much they, they can do that with, with this whole drama high drama thing because again. There's not, I love the drama we're getting, but I don't know, I just don't know how sustainable you can do that with, with Andor. But again, Luthen is, I'm, I'm, I cannot wait to learn more about Luthen. He's probably, Andor is fantastic. I love freaking, uh, Cassian Andor is a great character. I, I'm, I'm 1000 invested in whatever he does in Merva, B. Um, you know, you're also establishing too with, 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 uh, with Cassian his love of droids, why he needs a droid companion. Mm-hmm. He grew up with B. I mean, I love yeah. the subtlety of that. And it got B makes, I don't know what about it, but every time he's on, I love him so much, but he makes me sad. I don't no, know, I know what exactly what you mean. <laughs> he's very, he's, he's a very, I don't want to say he's a pitiful character, but he's a very, like you almost feel sorry for him. Yeah. Like that eye, like makes him look like, like he's drooping. Oh, that moment he was getting interrogated by those soldiers. It's oh, like, God. oh, man. I was ready to jump. Through, I was ready to jump to the screen and be like, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> like I'm not even joking. I was like, it was making me uncomfortable. I'm like, uh, leave me alone. He's so sweet. Look at him. You know. And so I don't know. I don't. And these are good things. These are things that are they've done a great job of building. And I think that like I hate to say it, something's gonna happen to B, and it's gonna and I'm gonna cry. I've seen some I've seen some theories out there that maybe part of B's programming is what Cassian uses to reprogram K2SO once he sees the that Imperial droid. So maybe that was kind of be a way of him living on through K2 in some way. I but but B is so much more of like he's so much more of a nicer character than K2SO. So it's yeah. like I don't it could be I like don't see that. It could be like the two programs clashing or something where sometimes you see that niceness come out a little bit, but Oh, it's just a theory I've seen on online. No, no, and I, and I think it's a decent theory. I just, yeah, it's just something that I'm like, oh man, you know, I, I love B so much. But I say all that to say with Merva and with with Muthan, like and B, and you know, and who the character is, and who is with Merva. I'm I'm not sure if that's like his surrogate dad. Um, at that point, yeah, I think with it Merva, is. Um, which is awesome. Um, yeah, there's just there's a lot of intrigue of the people. I've invested more in these characters than I ever thought I would be. 
And um, yeah, I, I just think that with what with Luthen's character specifically, he's probably the one I'm the most interested in, which it sucks. I don't think he's in very many episodes, but Skarsgård's presence and the character they've written is so fascinating that I'm like, what, give me more, give me more. So yeah, I'm, I'm invested with the, with these characters, man. I I'm really into this, uh, this new, this, this new Luthen character. I think he's, fa- he's fantastic. Yeah. And you're saying how going back to your talking about game of Thrones lasting for eight seasons, telling like those very dramatic, storytelling and episodes for the majority of the season it all comes down to just being invested in the characters as we just that's where you don't really when something maybe seems slower you don't really care because you're just so invested in these characters that you spent time with and as you were just alluding to i think we're getting that with cassie and i mean i should say with andor with the characters we've met so far and we know more are coming um that we haven't met yet over the course of the series and it, it does play more on that dramatic sense of storytelling it's going to work because of the characters um that have been introduced and just what a great job they've done with the ones we've have gotten to see so far and if the new other new ones we haven't met yet have that same feel um then it's not going to be it is something that, that dramatic storytelling i think can be sustained over the course of this entire series for two seasons yeah yeah, I can't wait to see uh, Luthen's interactions with Mon Mothma in particular because, oh, like, it looks yeah. from the it looks from the trailer like when he's meeting with her, like he's wearing a wig and got some like extravagant robes on, and so I'm like, is he pretending to be somebody else? Like, I think or, he is. Or, well, and that begs the question: <clears throat> like, is he is he trying to deceive her, or are they already friends? Like, and they're both part of the rebellion, but he's putting on a front like pretending to be somebody else on Coruscant, like I mean, maybe he's posing as like an art dealer or something. And Mon Mothma's like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go see my guy. And like, it's actually a rebel thing. Like is, you know, like is, is he trying to recruit her? Is she trying to recruit him? Are they working together? Are they maybe, um, you know, both working against the empire, but maybe sort of at odds with each other in sort of the same way that we know Mon Mothma and Saw Gerrera are in Rebels. Um, so I can't wait to see them together. I mean, I can't wait to see Mon Mothma in general, just because with Mon Mothma comes Coruscant and the Senate, and I'm really excited to see that whole side of things. Oh, yeah. Um, but seeing how, like, obviously Luthen is going to be the connective tissue there um, with, you know, the the story that we've gotten so far. Um, so I hope it's not too much longer before we get to see the two of them together, but I'm really interested to see what sort of their character dynamic is going to be. Well, and I, I think that one of the things that I, with Luthen's character, it seems really interesting. I, 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 my prediction is that he is in lock with, with Mon Mothma. They're probably in together. I bet you anything. It, it, it seems like he's like the rich one. Like he's a very rich person. And it almost feels like he's probably the foundation of initially getting the Rebel Alliance started, or at least getting like the not the whole because obviously his Rebel cells like the 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 uh, our Rebels like Kanan and, and, and things you know, Phoenix Squadron or not Phoenix Squadron, but the, um, oh my God, Spectre is that, is that what they call themselves? I always forget their name. What they call us the uh, just the Ghost Crew. crew? Ghost crew. I couldn't think of the ghost crew. What the hell is wrong with that? <laughs> um, but the, you know, obviously we have the ghost crew and Phoenix Squadron and those things, those little squads. But I, I'm thinking of like the massive one they all join on in, in, in season three, which by the way, that episode's fantastic. Um, so 
wondering if maybe Luthen is the one that kind of gets Mon Mothma up to like her level and getting her equipped with all the people and the right resources. And then something happens to him with Cassian. That's why it leads Cassian to where he is right now. Uh, and that's, that seems very obvious on the nose, but it does feel like he, she learns a little bit through him and he, like how Cassian, he'll be like a mentor figure for the whole rebellion in a sense of how you lead. And then when he leads, when he's gone, whatever happens to him, that's when Mon Mothma and Cassian and other like Draven and those people will kind of step up then and go, okay, we need to like take this guy's example. But it feels like he's kind of like the one that kind of spurs like the massive major rebellion to get the Alliance going, at least from my perspective. And at least for the few glimpses we've gotten that bit of the trailer, so I think he might be a little more in line with Saw Gerrera's way of doing things as a rebel mm. cell because mm. we got that moment where him and Cassian had um, the lieutenant or was, I think Cyril is his name, the main one in charge of the security team where they had him at gunpoint and Lucian just says, kill him. Just like that. Yeah. <laughs> like real cold-blooded. But, I, like. but you know what? I, I read that as like he's just trying to scare him. Like kill mm. him. Like that's, that's true what, too. I, I don't think you're wrong either, though. I think you could you can interpret it either way. That's what makes it kind of rad because you don't really know at this point what Luthen's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then again, we even see in Rogue One, Cassian is willing to you know execute his own informant in order exactly, to protect yeah. himself and protect the mission. So maybe he mm. learned that from Luthen, but also like Cassian is you know does these sorts of dirty things and is still well within the fold of like Mon Mothma and Bail Organa and sort of that main rebel group. And it's so it's like, if they've got guys for them that are still doing kind of shady stuff in the name of the rebellion, because, you know, like the, the whole group that shows up with Cassian at the end, when he says, you know, we've all been spies, saboteurs, assassins, like we've all done things we're not proud of. Um, so it's like, how much worse is the stuff that Saw is doing that they're like, oh, we can, you know, we've done, we've all got our hands dirty and we still don't want any part of what that guy's doing. That's a good. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. I, I, again, this is where I think the show has done a great job of really, you know, exploring and and giving us characters that are really interesting. Again, the slow burn works when you have great characters, and because the story, if the story's thinner, and again, I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, if the story's thin, you rely on the characters to drive the narrative specifically instead of the overall story. You've got to have interesting characters, and that's the thing this show has spades of is interesting characters all over the place. Even the freaking um, the the security crew, like the freaking guy who is like the big guy from who was in the, the Batman, um, yeah, right, <laughs> like that guy, he he steals the show. Yeah, like, like he, he had a real presence so too. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Like that guy should like by all accounts, that guy should not steal the show, and he almost does. Like Eric, he is so good. You, mm-hmm. he is like so. Heck, I even I also really liked. The guy in um, the guy who was in the first episode, who was um, the I, I can't remember the names of all the security officers, but like the main guy that leads the expedition, like not the big guy, but the other one, um, the, the short, his, really skinny guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His boss that he's talking to in the yes, first episode. I love him too. Yeah, yeah yes. where he's basically. I love how he's he was telling his boss like, "Hey, like our guys were murdered. We got to do something about it." And like the. Sort of the corrupt, like, like obviously it was is sort of corruption on his boss's part to want to cover it up and be like, we don't need to investigate because I'm up for a big review and I don't need this on my record. 
but it, I love how at the same time he also went over the facts of the case and was like, yeah, these guys basically racially profiled someone and got what they deserved. Like, yeah, so we're I just going to leave it be. Like, I don't need the attention anyways. And they basically, you know, effed around and found out. So we're just going to leave it be. Um, well, he even said, well, he even says, he talks about their character before that too. He says like, they aren't, they are, these people don't have good track records. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I think that. he said, I yeah, I think he even said one of them, he's like, you know, one of the most despicable men you'll ever meet. Yes. So I love, yes. I love when you have a character like that, who you're like, you're not a good guy, but I like you. Um, Dude, I loved him. He, and just, he, the, but you know, yeah. just, just his performance and the way he delivered those lines, just in like the couple of scenes that he was in, I was like, this is great. So. I, you know, I love that I, we're I getting. I love that we're getting those kind of additions to the Star Wars universe. Just one-off characters, regular people, you know, like officers, um, security personnel, just you know, administration people going about the regular daily jobs in the Star Wars universe that we've occasionally gotten glimpses of before in the movies and the series, but like they're never notable characters. Um, yeah. And like, unless they are actually important characters to the story, whereas this guy really was just sort of like a one-off character, like not super important, but like he's memorable and, and was his part was well-written and well-acted. So, um, you know, I, I, so yeah, I'm I just to... love that that attention to detail that they're giving to just all aspects of this is really great. Yeah, and, and really quickly, Tim, I don't want to take away anything from you, sir, um, but really quickly, I to add a couple things. The first thing with the guy, the, the main boss is up for review, has... Again, another example of a great presence, an actor who has presence, and you remember him, and you like him. Like I, I immediately am like, yes, I loved him. And every time I rewatch it, I'm like, I love this guy, you know. And again, that's a testament to more so the actor than the, than the actual writing. The writing's it's fine, it's the presence and the acting bringing that completely to life. And the one thing, and, and again, tell I don't want you guys to necessarily confirm this, but is it does like I will say. The character again. I'm terrible with names. The skinny guy, the guy who's head, the head honcho, um, who's leading this whole thing. Is he? It almost feels like he's almost on a parallel journey with Cassian himself, where it's maybe is this going to be him on his way to the Empire? You know, like mm -hmm. is this is this like his way? Like you know how Cassian gets you know instruct you know gets rushed into the Rebel Alliance, and maybe this is where he discovers in his security job. He's not going to have what he wants. He wants that power. He wants that order because it's what he's out for. He's like, you know, he's all it's about. He's, he's a company man. And that's what the Empire needs to be company men. And I'm wondering if he's on his way to try to reach up that ladder of the Imperial Army. And that's where we're going to find if he does come back. Because, yeah, I don't know if he comes back or not. I'm assuming he does. But if he does, I wonder if it's, you know, how we get the Empire is through this guy. And it's his. And now he has a personal vendetta against Cassian, and it's, he's going to try to find him and use the Empire's uh, not use the Empire, but like he has, you know, he'll have the Empire of his backing to try to go after uh, Cassian now. Um, so it's just, it, which again, I, I'm not sure if that's already been confirmed. That's been teased already. I don't watch trailers really, so I don't know. But that's what it seems like in this episode, like where he leaves him. He's so powerless and so helpless at the end of this episode and he realizes what's happening. It makes me feel like he's on a trajectory to be this all of a sudden this this, this guy is trying to make himself bigger in the empire and he'll use his 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 uh, his status in the security bureau or whatever it is to get into the next uh, phase, which is will be probably the greater imperial uh, army or navy. 
Yeah, I know it he does be. show up in and watching the trailers. He is in other scenes with other characters, I believe, from the Empire. So I definitely think he is going to be showing up in future episodes. But I do like that idea of maybe it is a parallel journey that he goes on with him moving up to the ranks of the Empire while Cassian is doing the same, but with the Rebellion. I kind of like the parallel storytelling that that could maybe lead to. Um, but one thing we haven't touched on yet that I kind of want to dive into a little bit and hear your guys' thoughts is mm. kind of the history we got for Cassian here and his origins and where he mm. came from with that planet Canari. And just um, this is really took me by surprise, especially kind of, I know there's only, this is where I got this information from, was from the Rogue One source books. Um, just And even his line in Rogue One saying he's been in this fight from when he was six years old. And just kind of how I always thought he was with on a planet with his family um, under the separatists where um, they were maybe with separatist systems and he, they would fight against uh, the Republic or uh, be one of those people who would go against the Republic or they would show up on their home world and all that stuff. Cause they made points of that in that um, in the rogue one visual guide. And mm-hmm. I was hoping that that would definitely still be an aspect of his history. And I think, we did get that um, by the time we finished with that first flashback, which I thought was great. But just the idea of him coming from, you know, really humble beginnings here, where just as a kid living in a tribe um, with just other children too, with this very basic um, living quarters and like in a jungle. And um, like I said, it's very, it's very tribal and just kind of seeing his reaction and response to technology and spaceships when they see the ship go down and when he actually goes in, and just being angry at it for, I think, him blaming that ship and those inside it taking the life of, looks like, their chief of their tribe. Um, and then just seeing his reaction destroying that ship. And then getting the reveal that um, once we see him, I think it was in the third episode. Yeah, it was in the third episode where um, Marva, as we knew in the fir- previous episodes, where that's his mother. Uh, but knowing that is actually becomes, she's a his foster parent and having those little line of dialogues where they, her and her husband encounter Cassian in the ship, or I should say Cass as that's what he was called. Or Casa. Um, Casa. That's right. Yeah. Love it. Um, Love it by the way. Yeah. And then just making that note that saying the Republic will kill him if they find him, and kind of just hinting that, yeah, they're not on the other side of the Republic here. They view the Republic as like um, these monsters who would just kill a kill a child and that's probably how those involved with the separatists would think and so that's where i think it is gleaning from that aspect of Cassian's history that we learned from the visual dictionary where i think marva did start out as a separatist and kind of raise cassian to go against the republic which obviously later turns into the empire so that hatred was always there from when he was a young age and i just like how just the journey that cassian is going on from this child who pretty much like other members of his tribe didn't really want him involved um, with their group when they went after or to look at the craft spaceship and just seeing where he's going to become uh, to the one who really played a huge role in the destruction of the Empire's greatest weapon in the Death Star. So I think all that stuff is just going to be great storytelling and a great character arc we're going to see from Cassian's beginning at um, that young age there. And again, I just liked how it is kind of throwing that aspect into his uh background where yeah he had no love for the republic which turned into no love for the empire which i think is how he's going to be raised by 
Marva and uh, her husband just by that little bit of dialogue that they said um, when talking about the Republic there. So well, I really I really dug this origin for Cassian that we're getting here, knowing that he came from just this tribe of children here and then um, mm-hmm. just the journey that he's going to go on um, in that moment as that third episode closed. I just really, really enjoyed that that's where his story started. I'm looking at the uh, um, the visual guide and it says here for Cassian Andor... Um, now in his mid twenties, what a joke! Um, Andor grew up <laughs> in the in the wilds of the uh, of the wilds of the outer rim and came of age fighting against the Republic during the tumultuous Clone Wars. His father was killed at the Cardia Military Academy during a protest against the expansion of the Republic militarism. Um, so I'm oh curious. interesting because they do allude to that in the show yeah. too because he says something like um, you know, like that's like- where they. Where they hung yeah, where they strung up and hung your father. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that's curious. Okay, so they are keeping. So really quickly, that means if they're keeping this in canon somewhat, somewhat. Again, I'm not looking for yeah, the elements of it. Which again, it's good enough for me. I don't. It doesn't have to be like one thousand yeah. percent on the money. Like, because for instance, if you guys have read that K2SO comic where they first meet, yeah, that needs, <laughs> that, to, be that needs to be retconned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, but what would be cool if they took that and they made elements of that into the in, from the comic into the show, but it's, it's still a different story. Mm. I'm down. That's good enough for me. You know, I mean, but I doubt it. I doubt it's going to happen. But but this is interesting that if they are keeping all as as right now, there's an element there. We'll see if how true it rings later on. But it is interesting nonetheless. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I I'm enjoying the backstory a lot, but I do have a lot of questions about it still. Um, because I, I I don't know I, I feel like there's things that they sort of haven't answered yet and I don't know if it's me sort of like just reading into it too much and wanting more details or if there really is more to it that we'll see later on. For one thing, the when the ship crashed and and those guys came out of it, I could have sworn I'll have to go back and watch it again. But the patch that they have on their sleeve, I thought was the separatist look. It is. It definitely yeah. is. Yeah. And yet they kill them. And, you know, the 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 guy, like, shoots the girl that's, like, the leader of their tribe, and then all the kids shoot the guy with, like, their darts or whatever. And then when Marva and her husband find Cassian, they say, you, you know, they're like, if if the Republic finds you, they basically say, like, you just killed a Republic officer. And the Republic is not going to take kindly to that, and so we have to take you and leave. And I'm like, well, wait, like, I thought that was a separatist officer or scientist or whatever. Like, it was hard to tell, like, what the purpose of the ship was and who these guys were, but um yeah, I think that's yeah, I, I clearly revealed. thought it was something that the separatists were up to. And so yeah, I was like there's I hope there's more to that story. Um I, I think well, there I, is too because maybe, there's like a lot going on there because you see yeah those dead bodies right. they look to be like exposed to some poison gas or something. Yeah and I think there's gonna be more to that and just why him being but kept also, a secret from I'm sorry, you know, ahead. they they take him and just leave. So I'm like, you know, I don't know if we're coming back to that part of the story or not. I'm sure we'll see more flashbacks, but it's like, is it just going to be continuing on from that? Are we going to maybe back up and see some more stuff? Are they going to just sort of talk about it more and explain some more? Of, of yeah, I think that's how on? it's going to be, really. Um, just them kind I, of mentioning and talking about it. But the other thing is, you know, the that tribe that he was with, it's all kids. Like, where were the adults? Yeah. Was it was it just that the kids were hanging out or did something happen to the adults? Had the, and, you know, you saw that there was that big mining quarry. Had the adults all been taken to be like that's what I read. That's, yeah. slave labor? Um, they also talked about 
But they also talked about uh, some big mining disaster that happened there and then the Empire abandoned the planet. And so it's like, had that happened beforehand or is that something that happened later? And are we going to eventually see that? I'm assuming that that happens later since it was still the Republic at that time. Um, you know, in the at least of what we've seen in the flashback so far, we're still dealing with the Republic and the Separatists. And they mentioned specifically that the Empire abandoned the planet. Um, so maybe we will go back there or maybe even when, when Marva and her husband take him, maybe they'll still be, maybe they just go somewhere else on that planet. Um, or come back for some reason, or maybe Cassian comes back when he's older. Like maybe he will, you know, jump forward a few years in the flashbacks and he'll come back on his own. Um, but well, yeah, you know, regardless, I, like I'm, I'm intrigued and I'm, I'm interested so far and I like what they're doing with it, but I'm like, I, I need to see more because there's a lot going on here and we definitely don't have the full picture yet. I, I, I tend to think that the kids are, it's very much a Lord of the Flies almost kind of idea, mm. not like literally, but like kind of the idea of these kids are now created their own culture because there's, they all lead, you know, they think of a point to really show that they're all together and there's a leader. And they take it very seriously, and they all have weapons. They all like it's, and unless they're they're a whole sect that they're supposed to do that, it definitely. In the fact that her that Merva takes him without really any like hesitation, she probably knows like this kid. Not just that he'll die here, but like I think there maybe there's something with that uh that 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 mining accident with that 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 whatever those guys died of. Maybe it affects only adults. And you know, it's you know, it's almost like a you know, COVID for a while didn't affect children for a long time. Like it was mostly in older adults. But it, it's almost like that idea, and, and obviously it mutated. But you get what I'm saying. Um, but like, but back in um, with this, it almost feels like it could be like that too, where it's only affects you know a fully a grown adult, and therefore if you know it wiped out all these you know because those those guys were all knocked out you know, whatever. And so these people, these kids were on their own, and maybe Mervyn knew that. Maybe Mervyn knew that this gas got out and it had already spread and it had already done its damage, and, and that planet was pretty much, you know, left for dead because it was a pretty, like, you know, uncivilized culture, so to speak. Which again, the first human culture we've probably seen in for a long time, where it's actual like human culture that's like Ewoks, basically, right? So I mean, yeah. it's it's so I, I what I think is fascinating. Again, really really interesting stuff here. Then I think that I, I, I predict that Mervyn knew that Cassian was, a, was, was an orphan and he didn't have any family. And, and, and she, that's why she grabbed him. She probably knew he's going to die in here. If I don't grab him, the Republic's going to come. They're going to take all these people and you know, they're going to be you know, whisked away. I might as well you know, you know, take this boy and, and, and raise him because he's lost. You know? she, yeah, I, she might have. Figure too, maybe she can mold him into be a fighter for the cause too. Seeing the hatred he was showing for that Republic ship and just smashing up exactly. everything. Exactly, and mm-hmm. and maybe she saw a kindred spirit in herself, like mm-hmm. you know, like she's like, oh yeah, like you know, this guy, he's a victim of circumstance of 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 government, you know. And I think that's the one thing we gotta realize too is that, you know, it, with reading that book, um, I just read a little, you know, a little little segment that we read. Was that you know Cassian's kind of against like this or big organization like being oppressed, being you know oppressing their will on these these smaller colonies, if you will. And I feel that that's kind of like the theme that I'm getting from, um, and it's more of an underlying theme, but it definitely it definitely is there that where he's kind of against big big order, big establishment, and you know, and I and I wonder if Merva is kind of a big reason because of that, and maybe she sees a kindred spirit with this kid. This it's because again, again, this is where I think 
the the artistic approach of the show has been so brilliant. You have a a basically a very uncivilized young boy with no weapons or doesn't have any technology remotely near him in the most advanced area of like you know technology surrounded by it and he looks at himself in the mirror sees a reflection and hates it and starts breaking everything with, with his like there is so much symbolism within that like it, it's just it's brilliant it really is brilliant and and even if you look from a from aesthetic standpoint of this little boy who's like has again is is, is so foreign to technology breaking everything around him is a really interesting like depiction of like of like just seeing that on screen is brilliant and show you just how different and what this world he or what this what casting came from is amazing and i also love the fact that you know they call him casa and and or casa and now they name him cassian like you know what I mean? Like that's where yeah. they take Casa mm-hmm. and, and they're going to the Cassian. I, I just there's so much cool stuff that they they establish in this in this third episode. But by, by far the third episode is the best of the three. I mean it's like it's not just because it has more action. There's just so much more like I think um, getting deeper into the story again. That tension to payoff. There's starting to be little payoffs in this from the story, and I, and I, it's been great. It was great to see. It was a fan, phenomenal episode. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, you know, one other little thing I just wanted to mention, like, cause again, I, I kind of mentioned that, that sort of push and pull of like wanting to see more, wanting some payoff to that tension and, and wanting to see where the story is building to, but at the same time, just sort of enjoying the, you know, enjoying seeing them take their time and build up a, a small scale story and just, just the nice little touches, like, as much as you want like a big grand scale, like exciting story kind of Star Wars, I really enjoyed just kind of like sitting in the universe and seeing some of the day-to-day kind of things. Um, just, you know, like, you know, Cassian going to his day job and and just seeing the workers going about their business and, you know, just all the different things on this planet and in this town where he was. But the one thing in particular that just made me laugh because it, it was one of those things that like almost jumped out at you as like, like if it had been done differently, it could have been too kind of cheesy as like being too realistic, but it felt like, Oh, this is like, we've never seen this in star Wars before, but it fits perfectly. And yet it's so real world relatable. It's just like the kind of thing that happens no matter where you're at. And it's the scene, I think it's towards like the end of the second episode or maybe the beginning of the third where Luthen is on that transport. It's like when he comes to the planet, he lands on his ship, which is a really cool looking ship, by the way. And then he gets off and he has to take that that like transport shuttle to get to the town. And there's like the old guy sitting across from him on the aisle that just like moves over and sits next to him and starts chatting him up. Oh, God, that guy was just like the overly (laughs) just like the overly chatty stranger that sits next to you on a bus or an airplane or whatever. And then the way that that Luthen looks out the window as the shuttle is sort of like tilting and coming around for a landing. And it looked exactly like the way that, you know, just sort of the horizon tilts when you're looking out the window of an airplane. Um, I really enjoyed that that whole sequence, even though the guy was annoying. Like it was just, I couldn't help but sit back and laugh and just be like, like, yeah, we've all been there, right? Like it was just a way of being he like, you know, th- these characters that live in a galaxy far, far away, like go through His the look, same, you know, some yeah. of some of the same like mundane day to day experiences that we do. So that was that was a nice he- touch. That I liked. I didn't. I liked the actor. I liked the scene. I thought his hat was just, it was too on the nose. That was <laughs> way too on the nose in my. Opinion. I don't so even remember the hat to be honest. 
Or you, he looked like he looked like he was straight from like the nineteen fifties. Like literally, like he looked. He oh, looked I don't like, know. I'd have to go watch it again. I, I, I don't know. Whatever. I like the scene, and everything, but yeah, he, it, that was a little, that was a little much, in my opinion. That's just me. This is me. This is me. But so anyway. yeah, so I mean, like I said, was, I, I like having those little touches, and again, sort of building up small from the ground. You know, really. Again, yeah. to use that video game comparison again, really getting into the weeds and exploring all the little corners of the the starter planet, um, and just the day to day lives of the citizens, and and you know just kind of starting out small, um, and then again building that tension, building to you know bringing in more characters, uh, and and just sort of heading off to bigger and better things as we eventually build towards Cassian becoming the rebel hero that we all know and love. Um, so yeah, I thought it was great. It's it's always weird, like when a new Star Wars thing comes out, like seeing the the range of reactions to this. Like I said, they've been mostly positive from what I've yeah. seen, and there certainly has not been any like controversy. And I mean, I've seen some people say maybe it's not their cup of tea, or maybe have some criticisms about it, but like it hasn't been controversial. Nobody, you know, there's no campaign to like retcon it or, or cancel it or whatever, you know, stuff like that. But um. You know, I've seen some people, uh, just, you know, heaping praise on it. You know, of course, you get the superlatives like, you know, this is the best Star Wars since The Empire Strikes Back or the best Disney Star Wars yet. Or this is the best Disney, you know, this is the best of the of the Disney Plus Star Wars series. Like this one is the best one by far. And this is what all of them should be going forward. Or this is what Star Wars is supposed to be. Um, yeah. And I don't know that I agree with any of that. I mean, far and away, my favorite you know, live action Star Wars series is still the Mandalorian. Um, and we're only three episodes into Andor so far. So it's going to take a lot for it to maybe get to a place where it would, you know, where it would top that. But like, it doesn't need to, like, I'm not concerned of like, oh, if this isn't as good as Mando, I'm not going to love it. Like it's, it's really great so far. It probably is the best looking show. And the, you know, like you were talking about Paul, just in terms of like the cinematography and just some of the technical aspects of it really well done and probably the best series so far in those respects um but like you know i'm i love the other stuff that we've got i'm loving andor and i love you know you mentioned too like the versatility of star wars where you can have i mean you can have animated stuff like clone wars and rebels and bad batch you can have stuff like the mandalorian and like obi-wan where it's you know, it's live action. It maybe has some darker, grittier moments, but like there's more of that sort of lighthearted sense of adventure and some of that more, you know, that element of like campiness and stuff that like Star Wars typically has. Um, and then something like this where it's more grounded and more serious. And I've heard a lot of people make the comparison that like this just feels like a like an HBO drama or like, a you know, a more serious like uh espionage thriller type show that just happens to be set in the star wars universe and i think it's great so far and i love that idea and i love that they decided to take that approach um and i think it's gonna be uh just a, a great addition to all this you know star wars content that we're getting but i don't necessarily want all star wars content going forward to model itself off of this um, maybe they could yeah. learn something from, I mean, because we know that Andor is the only one so far to not use the volume and they built all, you know, it was all practical sets and physical, you know, locations and stuff. And I'm sure they did some green screen and stuff. And, you know, I'm sure, especially like on course, we'll see some stuff that's obviously going to be computer generated, but the, you know, they didn't shoot anything in the volume and maybe, 
depending on the the final product i mean we've only seen three episodes so far but you know if they have some great looking stuff down the line and people respond really well to it maybe they'll start to incorporate some more of that stuff um but who knows i mean i'm assuming the budget for this show was huge because it's 12 episodes compared to you know eight um and they've been working on this for years i don't know how long it took them to shoot it but um, I feel like this was first announced back in what, like 2019, maybe even 2018. Like, I don't remember for sure. Pretty sure but... the second series announced after Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, even like the first sizzle reel that we got, it was, you know, back at um, th- like the one where it was just them talking about the show. There was no footage, but it was just like concept art and behind the scenes stuff. I'm pretty sure that was from D23, like 2019, um, if not even earlier than that. So, um, I don't think like, again, I don't know what the budget for the show is or exactly how long it took them to make it. Cause obviously it's hard to tell with COVID and the pandemic and everything. Yeah. Um, but you know, not every show that they're going to do is going to have this sort of budget or this sort of time to put into it. Like it's its own unique thing. And heck, if it, you know, if it does really well and like I said, if it inspires some things, you know, down the line and if they want to maybe do another series, like, was maybe the acolyte or something like that would benefit from this same sort of gritty approach yep then go for it but like the mandalorian doesn't need to be this like the mandalorian is not this i'm glad the mandalorian is not this and i'm glad they both exist and i'm not gonna you know get on i'm not gonna get on twitter and fight somebody over whether everything needs to be mando or everything needs to be cassian um yeah Exactly. I'm just, you know, I, I, I love the differences between them. I love the different things that they both bring to the table. And uh, yeah, like I said, this is just it's a, a fine addition to our collection. Yes. Of, uh, <laughs> growing, you know, just different styles of Star Wars stories. So I think it's fantastic. I think it's off to a great start and I can't wait to see what they do with it next. Yeah. I mean, I love the praise that it's getting. I'm glad some, the majority are enjoying it. But like I said, I know there are some where it's not their cup of tea. But at the same time, I do get a little annoyed at some of like the dismissiveness that some of these headlines and articles are being written about. You know, this is the Star Wars show we've needed for all along. Just like being real dismissive Please. about how mm-hmm. great The Mandalorian was. It just what a phenomenal premiere for a live action Star Wars series that was. It's almost like being ignored now. It's like for for the time it was good. It's only three years ago, <laughs> but now, but yeah, this Whatever. is yeah, yeah. Now it's saying like. Andor's is what Star Wars should be and should be going forward. Like you God, saying, no. Kyle, it's like, no, yeah. there's room to enjoy all of it. And just, if I just go on a soapbox here for a minute, <laughs> where there was this one headline in an article, it was, it was from IGN, where it says, Andor is the Star Wars series that the franchise desperately needed to move away from the quote, Skywalker obsessed saga. It's like, give me a freaking uh, Like, I can't even begin to the many reasons of how <laughs> that headline makes no sense that's an intellectually dishonest headline that's to get people to click on it honestly. oh yeah <laughs> it was i mean yeah well you know and, and and i've said this before i think i said it to you guys too i'm like i love it but i would not want every series to be like this god no i yeah. mean I, I, it, it, and here's the thing it's this is perfect for andor and mandalorian is perfect for mandalorian like it fits yeah. their tones are perfect like like I, this is this is no bs season two of mando is maybe some of the best star wars stories ever told like mm-hmm. as it is by far absolutely like, like you cannot like i put that up against empire like it's phenomenal it is so good season two is incredible and you know and, and that is not a that has serious tone 
but it, it is also fun. It's per, to me, that's a perfect Star Wars. It's a perfect, that is a perfect balance of great, you know, but if you put the budget and what they did with the grittiness of, of uh, you know, with that same storytelling, maybe it's, maybe it is, it's, it's untouchable, the best Star Wars ever. I don't know, but regardless, it doesn't. I, I, I was going to say, we, I'm sure, I'm sure we could go off and do like a four hour podcast just about why Mando season two is so great. But then I'm like, we, well, we already did like what, probably three or four of those back in, yeah. fall of 2020 yeah <laughs> so and, and i think it's i think you, we've all agree we all love what we're getting we all think it's great the, the, the diversity of storytelling we're getting from this and but i do not want this for every every star wars show i do not i would not want this and it's like i wouldn't want Mando to be the same template there should be no one template mm-hmm. it should be whatever mm-hmm. the series needs and I, I think and that's where i think star wars is really flourishing on on disney plus because so many people can now have like again skeleton crew is probably gonna be more of a callback to like the fun aspects and have maybe some that maybe it'll be more of a balance of grittiness and fun because you know there's a call you know the skeleton crew they want to do more of like an 80s kind of coming of age story and let's be real if you grew up like me in the 80s those movies were very gritty they were not yeah. like they were not tailor-made for kids essentially of like you know all ages it was made for mm-hmm. older kids you know and i think oh yeah well heck know, look at look at stranger things too which is you know yeah, obviously a example. callback to that kind of stuff and that's also very like violent and Dark. intense at times and themes yeah, and themes and so i think that that's the thing is like we're just waiting every story has a different like style and let's just let the storytellers tell their story and let's and as it goes and unfolds Let's make our decisions then of what kind of stars we want. Because I mean, because honestly, I think that it's just, everything has been. I think for the most part, even Book of Boba Fett, which people love the, the, the crap on, which I still say Episode Two is some of the best Star Wars we've gotten in a long time. Like I hold up oh, that yeah. up against a lot of I, episodes. Fantastic, um, and they should give the people who worked on that episode some more stuff because that was fantastic. Um, you know, even that I think tone for the most part fit that story. But it just wasn't executed the best all the time, you know, as maybe compared to other people um, or other series. But at the same time, there's, I think the tone was still there. So I think, think to me is, we'll figure, you know, don't worry about everything having to fit one template. Let the story set the, set the template. Don't have the template fit the story. Because, like, you know, it's just not, that's not how it should work. Stories, and every story needs to breathe and has its own life and has its own it don't. It, it takes a life of its own, if you will. So let the stories take their own life and their own tone and their own and their own pace, and hopefully it'll be the the right one to enjoy. And I think Star Wars is is really. To be honest, I mean, it'll eventually come back to theaters. It'll eventually write it. It'll be it, it'll be righted to where I think the films will. You know, Star Wars will probably bring honestly people back to the movie theaters. To be quite honest, even more so because it'll be an event when Star Wars comes back officially. But until then, Star Wars is flourishing under Disney Plus, I think. And you know, trying to wrap up my my stuff here is uh, casting just one more feather in its cap. And I have just been enjoying the Star Wars we're getting. And I do think that this will these shows will inform the films. And I think there's going to be a connectivity to the films to the TV series like directly. And I think that casting Andor is just showing you how good this can look. Because even after watching that stuff, but me and Kyle, we we Kyle, we watched it on on the, on that little snippet we got on the IMAX, just a little bit we saw. And I know everyone at the premiere saw it on the big screen, but the little snippet that I saw, 
it works on the big screen too. So mm-hmm. let's just, let's just, you know, let's just keep it going. And, you know, yeah, I, I think Cassian is phenomenal. I love it. And I'm curious, I, I do worry a little bit about some things, but that being said, I'm, 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 I'm all in and I can't wait to watch the next episode. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's the other thing too. I mean, you can have fair criticisms of it and still love it without, you know, having to think that it's perfect or thinking that it's absolute garbage. Um, you know, cause I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I would, I wouldn't even say that I have issues with these three episodes. It's just because of like the slower pacing and stuff. It's just, again, I, I, especially like at the end of episode one and the end of episode two, I sort of had this feeling of like, okay, I'm enjoying it so far. I just still feel like I'm waiting for it to like get to the good part. Um, and it, like, I don't have any complaints about like the execution of certain things or the, you know, performances or dialogue or whatever. Like, I think everything is executed well. I think they, they hit the mark on doing everything that they were trying to do. Um, I just, you know, like, and like I said, it's, it's hard kind of, you know, balancing against my own expectations and knowing how much more is coming just from what we've seen in the trailers and stuff. Um, and of course, you know, the, with star Wars, it's hard not to get excited to see all the, the big stuff. Um, but uh, yeah. And like I said, th- there are some shows where like, it might be kind of slower paced and you feel like, Oh, this is, bad writing or this is poor pacing whereas with Andor, it felt intentional it felt deliberate i think it's fine it may not be everybody's cup of tea but you know it's just it is what it is i think they're doing a good job with uh with what they're trying to do so um and yeah like i said i think every week is just going to continue to build on that that tension and that momentum and um i think we're in for some some really cool stuff in these next few weeks um so yeah can't wait to see more of it also just you know I think we we mentioned this also on our our lost episode. Um, not only is it a great time to be a Star Wars fan right now with Andor and with uh, Tales of the Jedi coming out in a month, but it's a great time to be a nerd in general because bouncing back and forth <laughs> between Andor and House of the Dragon and Rings of Power and She Hulk, like I'm enjoying all of those series tremendously, and especially like you know um, I was not really excited for She-Hulk at all. Like just from the trailers, like was not really looking forward to that one, decided to check it out anyways, and was like pleasantly surprised by it. And then um, it's super Rings solid. of Power, I was I was kind of skeptical about, like I wanted to be excited because I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, but I was like, ah, I don't know really what Amazon is doing with this. And that show, like the first couple episodes got off to a bit of a slow start, but I, I really liked, you know, sort of what they were, what they were building on. And um, I feel like every episode has just gotten better and better. And the most recent one was fantastic. So I'm loving that show. And I feel like every week, like which show I'm most excited about, like they're all kind of like jockeying for position. Um, you know, I'm like really looking forward to Andor, but then there's a really good episode of Lord of the Rings and I'm like, oh, now I'm really into this and, you know, excited for this show. So, um, it's just a fun time, man. Like I could do podcasts about all of this stuff, if right. I had the time for it. but, um, pretty much every day of the week, we got some great nerdy show to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're a sports fan, like football season just started, baseball playoffs yeah, are coming yeah. up. So, um, yeah, there's no shortage of entertainment these days that's for sure but um anyway i think we've hit all the points we wanted to hit just on these first three episodes of andor so it was great to finally be back talking with you guys again um and we'll have a lot more coming you know over these next months i don't know how often we'll try to record and and uh you know talk about these episodes of andor as they're coming out you know we 
usually don't record every week. And especially because these episodes are, you know, fairly shorter. And if we are, I mean, maybe we'll just do every three weeks if they are going to be like story arcs. Um, but then also, of course, we're going to be getting Tales of the Jedi coming pretty soon, too. So I don't know. Stay yeah. tuned. Uh, we'll we'll figure it out. But it is definitely not going to be another like three or four months until you hear from us again. Um you know, we'll we'll be back uh, a lot more frequently talking about all this great Star Wars stuff we've got coming up. So um, before we head out, uh, Tim, I don't did we get any comments on Twitter that you wanted to read for the end of the episode? Um, yeah, we got a few uh, some more positive reactions to Andor once I put the tweet out, seeing what our followers and listeners thought. So first up, um, Burke's on Twitter says, I'm loving it. Born identity like. And then Henrik Bjorn Lorenzen says he loves it. And then Paul also says, this is so different to anything we've seen before, and I love it. It could be the most important step from Star Wars TV because it shows that you can achieve a complex, detailed story without the need for constant cameos and set pieces. Not that I mind that either. So, yeah, kind of echoing our thoughts of what we were talking about with why Andor is so great at what's setting it apart and how there's room for all these different kinds of Star Wars telling, Star Wars storytelling amongst these series. So, yeah, just more positive reaction for for the series, which is cool to see. Yeah, for sure. Glad you guys are enjoying it just like we are. Um, like I said, it's, I mean, these days, you know, with like after Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker and all that stuff, it's always nice when a new Star Wars thing comes out and is just generally well-received. Um, but, you know, why did, bring, of- why, why did you bring Rise of Skywalker up like that? Why did why you have to do me dirty like that? I, I brought up Last Jedi too. What do you want? <laughs> I, I didn't. Hey. I, all I heard was Rise of Skywalker. Hey, you were good this episode, Paul. No mention of Last Jedi or at all. That's <laughs> true. I, I know. That's I'm, true. I'm, I'm trying to move on because I, I, I can't change. Can't change the past. I'm just moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's it's you know it's been nice to see just the genuinely positive reaction for Andor. Um, so glad a lot of you guys out there are enjoying it just like we are. Uh, and, uh, like I said, can't wait to be back talking more about it with you guys soon. So, um, as always, uh, you know, if you want to interact with us online, send us thoughts, comments, questions, whatever, you can follow us on Twitter at star Wars TSC, uh, or, uh, just look up star Wars. The saga continues on Facebook. Uh, you can check out our website at star Wars TSC.com and you can send us email at star Wars TSC at gmail.com. Uh, you know, again, with your thoughts and comments and questions that you can get read on the show. But yeah, that's going to do it for now. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. We will see you guys next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Guts beat Rubble!